Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself, I am the voice of one, crying in the wilderness of this world and life. Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make every crooked path straight, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In our last broadcast, we looked at the pre-engagement examination of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the last part. We had done it in two parts. We have done the, the test and then the examination itself. Uh, we noted a few things that for this examination, which was conducted as it were by Satan, the Lord Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit to be tested by Satan, to be tempted actually by Satan. He was led by the Holy Spirit. We must also understand, therefore, that we will likewise be led for the pre-engagement examination. That is the examination that will be a precursor to our being engaged by Almighty God in the service, in his service. We also noted that the, the temptation tested a number of things. One of the things we saw that it tested was whether or not the Lord Jesus Christ would listen for the Father or listen to Satan. That is, when he, had, when he was faced with uh, certain options or things to do, would he listen for the Father's instruction or would he just buy what Satan was saying to him? Because that was the situation actually with Adam and Eve. They listened to Satan rather than listening for the Father on what to do as at that point in time. The other thing was whether he was going to um, follow the dictates of his appetite, of his food, of his desire for hunger, of, of, of for his, 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 his hunger, his desire for food, whether it would take precedence over the word of God. And when we talk of the, his appetite or desire for food, we are talking of his personal his needs for his, his personal needs. Would that take precedence over what the word of God requires? Because the Bible tells us, the Lord Jesus, in fact, in his defense, he used that scripture. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the issue is, are we going to make our living based on what we want? Or is it going to be based on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? Then we also noted that the, 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 uh, another issue was, would he use his authority for personal benefit? Or would he... Would he allow that authority to be used appropriately as directed by God. Because he was told to turn uh, stone into bread. And he had probably had the power to do that. And he, he, that temptation by itself, he overcame. Because he, he denied Satan the pleasure of being the one to dictate when he was to use the power and when he was not to use the power. He was also tempted as to whether, uh, tempted as to whether he would put the father to the test by taking reckless and unnecessary risks. There are, there are things that we do in Christendom that are essential. They, are, they, they may be risky, and which is why it is faith. But when it is unnecessary, when it is a reckless thing, like telling the Lord Jesus Christ to jump so that angels will carry him as a, as a test. And Lord said, that is a test. You're asking me to test, to test the Father. I'm not going to test him. We need to be careful what we do. And I think we mentioned the issue of uh, uh, people in authority or pastors who go on a, on a building project of massive uh, magnitude just to show that they can do something which they probably saw elsewhere, replicate something with their browser elsewhere. I don't know. But then they begin to pile up pressure on so many people because they want these things done and begin to raise money for something that God did not ask them to do just for personal aggrandizement. 
now begin to put God to the test and begin to expect God that he, he will show up and begin to preach uh, messages in tune, berate people for not funding their projects and so on and so forth and turning all of that into meaning that they are serving God. We asked, we, we noted rather also, that the, the another, another question was whether he would bow down and worship Satan to get what Satan was going to offer him through a shortcut, which the father was going to give him by going through a process. The, the world would still would have been given to the Lord. The, Lord the, father, the world is given to him today. He came at, at, after his resurrection. He said, all power and authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. But here was Satan offering him the, the glories of the kingdoms of this world, which are temporal at best. And they, are not, they, 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 they will not satisfy anything. But he was offering to him on a platter, saying that if only he would bow and worship him. And the Lord, and the Lord said, no. He said, we are to worship God and him alone. So the question is, who are you going to worship when, you, when push turns to shove? Will you remain with God and go through the process, go through the grind for what wants to come or you prefer shortcuts? Because there are many people who are bowing down to Satan today in the name of, I want people in my church. I mean, that is the irony of it. And that is how ridiculous it is. That they want attendance in the church and then they go and copulate with Satan in some very strange agreement so that people can fall down and more ignorant people can rush into the church. And I can't understand it. Another aspect that was stepped, was that the Lord was tempted at was whether his focus was going to be on the Father or on Satan and self. And this, my brothers and my sisters, is a major, is a crucial issue. The question is, what, what do we really focus on? Is the focus on God or is the focus on ourselves? I mean, I'm not sure if I mentioned it uh, in, in the last broadcast, the issue of a hospital in which the doctors and nurses are the ones who are taking the beds and they want to be taken care of. That's what we have in the churches today. We have a situation in which everybody who comes to church wants a miracle, wants uh, prayers, wants this, wants that. Everybody. The, the, the outsiders don't even have a place to stay. It reminds me of what happened in the temple when the Lord Jesus Christ visited and he had to get whipped a whip to, 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 to whip out the money changers and the sellers of doves. And the Bible records, I think that's Matthew 21, that after he had done that, suddenly the blind came, the lame came, the cripple came, and he healed all of them. So these people were actually obstructing the real people who needed to get the word of God through their merchandising. And we have a situation like that today. So God is testing, God is going to allow Satan to test us, to tempt us rather, because some of those things need to, be, need to be brought to the fore. If we are going to succumb to our own selfish desires or Satan's prodding, or if our focus will be on doing the will of God. In overcoming the temptation of Satan, the Lord's weapon of choice was the word of God. It is written, there, there was no quotation of Cicero, no quotation of Socrates, no quotation of any of the wisdom masters of his day. The quotations he, he brought was the word of God. The word of God has power. It may seem like just words, but it has the authority and the ability to put, if, to put into effect what is spoken. And so his weapon of choice was, it is written from what the word of God is. The question for us is, what, where do we turn to? When we face some of these challenges, do we turn to God 
or do we just stay there and, and wonder what it is that we are going to do and begin to think and think on the method and the approach to solve a problem? We go back to the word. No matter what it is, we go to the word. As we speak the word, as we go to God in prayer, he will tell us what we ought to do. He will give us, he will give us the, the, the way out of the, of the challenge. I think the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that there had no temptation come to us or anybody that is not common to any other man. But that God will make a way of escape for us. He will show us a way out. Uh, he, he, will, he will give us the grace to endure. And where, 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 where need be, he will give us a way out. He's not even going to allow us to be tempted above that which we're able. Now, after successfully overcoming Satan's scrutiny, the Lord returned, the Bible records, in the power of the Holy Ghost. I think we, 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 we mentioned the last, in the last broadcast that he entered into that examination filled with the Holy Spirit, but came out of it successfully uh, 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 in the power that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And of course, we also heard that Satan, after all of that, left him, but for a season. He was to return later to, to continue tempting him at every opportunity. And I think I mentioned that in some of the past broadcasts, that even after you have been empowered to be able to exercise authority over Satan and his uh, evil cabal, God, uh, Satan brother, is going to still want to come and take back that authority through guile, through some other means. And so we must stay alert. We must be watchful. We must be prayerful. We must not let down our guards for any reason. Now, we, I think we mentioned then that the empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes upon those who are to be used by God for his service. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit does not just come on anybody for just a, a, a frivolous reason. No, it comes for service. It is for service. Uh, things, uh, a man of God said, it is for employment, not for enjoyment. The infilling builds character in us. The coming upon gives us ability and even authority to serve God. It also comes upon those who have overcome Satan's pre-engagement uh, scrutiny. So it is after all of this that we have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes, and we must, we must note this, that sometimes the Holy Spirit can come upon even an untested man to do a particular thing. But that is for a very short time, for a brief moment, and it does not confer any authority on that person. Case in point, when Balaam was rushing to go and meet Balak and the, what, what was in his mind was something else, God came up, the, the Holy Spirit was brought upon his donkey so that his donkey could speak and Balaam understood what the donkey was saying. Balaam was speaking back to the donkey and the donkey was speaking back to him. There was a dialogue going on between Balaam and his donkey. Why? Because the Holy Spirit for that moment came upon that donkey. The Bible says a dumb ass spoke to a mad prophet who was going on to do something that was crazy. So God can come upon people temporarily. But that is not what we are talking about. We are talking of an empowerment that comes to stay. That not just gives you ability but also confers on you authority. It is possible, for example, for somebody with a gun. To come 
and take something from you by force. His ability is in the gun. But he does not have the authority to do it. However, what he's doing is a criminal enterprise. Now, when one with authority comes, he, he will either have to yield to that person or be killed by the one with authority. So that's the difference between having ability and, or, and, 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 but not having authority and having ability and having authority. When you have ability with authority, there is a confidence, a boldness that you have because of what you have. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. With, with such a boldness, with such a confidence, you, you, you hear Peter preaching in Acts chapter 2. We hear Peter responding to the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4. And they themselves recognize that, wow, these guys have been with Jesus. They've taken on something has rubbed off on them. And they, they were stunned that they, they're such unlearned men. Yet, because they have been exposed to relationship with contact with Jesus, they were speaking with such authority. The Bible records that the Lord Jesus Christ taught, not like the Pharisees, but as one with authority. So we are talking of an empowerment by the Holy Spirit that confers upon that person, not just ability, but also authority. So we move from there to what we want to discuss today. And it, it, follow, it flows from actually the fact that you have now been empowered. But the question is, empowered for what? Given ability and authority for what? It is for divine service. You are not being given ability and authority so that you can go and show off that you now have it. No, you are given ability and authority by the Holy Spirit so that you can serve God. So let's ask one question. What is divine service? And that's basically what we want to discuss in our broadcast today. What is divine service? It is the Holy Spirit coming upon a person, male or female, to enable him or her to serve God in a manner that is acceptable to God. The Holy Spirit comes upon that person, that individual, stays there, gives him authority, gives him ability, so that he or she can serve God in a manner that is acceptable. In, um, I think in, in, uh, in uh, Daniel chapter 1, we are told of how Daniel and his friends and some other people were trained in the, in the language and the mannerisms of the uh, Babylonians so that they could serve the king of Babylon in an acceptable manner. In, 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 a, more, in, in, in a more potent form, God trains us. This is, this, is, you see, this is the essence of the gospel. The gospel is about somebody whom God wants to use for his purpose. And the beginning is for God to bring that person through conviction to the place of repentance. When the person has repented and has sought the forgiveness of God and has received it, the Holy Spirit comes into him. That's what we call the infilling. He comes into him and begins to do a work of renovation, removing everything that needs to be removed. The flesh is dead, but the, the impact of the flesh on that man's life is still there. So all of that nature of the old man needs to be carried out of the man and a new nature put into him. And then he is taught on how to operate with this new nature. Because this new nature comes with a new constitution, which will be found in the Bible. Now, when this person has been thus, uh, uh, this new man has now been, 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 been brought there, which is what we call sanctification. And he sees that there is, there is something about his life that is now tuned towards God. He dedicates his life, what we call consecration. He consecrates himself to God. He 
does all the work of restitution that he needs to do, and he faces his pre-engagement examination. He's now ready to serve God. Then the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And in coming upon him, he is now able to serve God as he should. But before we go any further, I want to read a portion of scripture very briefly, and we will see how it relates to what we want to discuss. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. And this is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. He says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So understand one thing, that divine service is a service that is wholly dedicated to the service of God. It has nothing to do with the service of of Satan or self. It is the service of Almighty God. In Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, Paul writing by the Holy Spirit says here, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a born servant of Christ. What he's saying in essence is that if my desire to serve, my desire to please is tilted towards men, then I cannot be a servant of God. I can't serve two masters. I cannot want to please God and want to please men. I can't. I must choose who I want to please. Elijah told the people of Israel, he said, how long are you going to hold between two opinions? For how long are you going to prevaricate between two sides? Choose one side. If God is God, then serve him. If Baal is God, then serve Baal. But stop jumping from one place to the other. Make up your mind whose service you want to get into. Mammon is a figure of money. The God of money. But beyond the God of money, Mammon is, the, is, is a figure, a representation of the God of this world. That is Satan. It's a representation of those things that we place priority over and above God. Things like spouse, parents, our children, grandchildren, our friends family, uh, job, and so on and so forth, including our very lives. Which is why the Lord Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 14, I believe it is, 24 to 27, turned around when he saw a large crowd of people coming. He knew that these people had no commitment to him. They were just coming. And so he turned to them and said, look, let me tell you something, you guys. Unless you hate your father, your mother, your wife, your, your, your children, um, your brothers, your sisters, yes, your very life itself, you cannot be my disciple. And unless you carry your cross and follow me, I think I've explained this before, unless you are ready to die, unless your commitment level is to the point of dying for me, for me it says you cannot be my disciple. That is, you cannot serve me. So we are talking of a service that requires three cr critical things. One, undivided loyalty. Two, undispensable um, commitment. And three, absolute love for God. The Bible tells us that to love God is to do his will, to do his command. I hear so many people talk about, oh, I, I, I love God, but you know, I've been doing some things and I'm wondering, what are you talking about? If you love God, you would not be doing anything contrary to that. Our love for God is, is, the, is, looked, is determined by the fact that, by, by, by whether we are obedient to God or not. If I'm not obedient to God, I don't love God. If I'm obedient to God, I love God. It's as simple as that. Let me show you 
uh, a scripture. First John chapter 4, I believe it is. Um, sorry, chapter 5. First John chapter 5. It says, I'm reading from verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. This is how we know that we love God and his children. When we love, when we keep his commandments, as we do his commandments, that is the, that is the mark that we love God. So we are speaking of, when we talk of divine service, we are speaking of a service that requires our, our undivided loyalty, our undisputable commitment, and our absolute love for God. So with that cleared, let's continue with what divine service entails. Divine service, divine service is not doing what you like doing or what you think will delight God. Divine service is all about doing the will of God. I've heard some people teach on serving God and they say, well, if you want to serve God, you know, look for something that you, what, what is that thing that, that is a desire in you? What is that thing that you like to do? What's that thing that gives you pleasure when you do it? That thing is, 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 uh, is how you are going to serve God. Absolutely not. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible does not teach that it is what you like doing that you will use in serving God. No. In fact, I have discovered that a lot of the people who serve God, what they, what, what, how they serve God is not even what they would want to do on their own. It is because they have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. Bezalel and Aholiab who built the tabernacle in the, uh, in the wilderness, we, we, they were never told that they were craftsmen of any sort. But God said that he has put his spirit in those people so that they will be able to do the tabernacle the way they are supposed to do it. And when Moses came to look at the tabernacle at its, at its finishing, he saw that it was exa the, ex exactly the pattern that he had seen in heaven. Note that um, Bezalel and Eholiah did not go near the mountain. It was Moses who went to the mountaintop. It was Moses who came with a, a, a description of what they were supposed to do. But by the time they had done it, because the Holy Spirit was in Bezalel and Eholiab, it was the exact thing that Moses had seen uh, in, in, in heaven. So it's not about the talent that you have. It's about the Spirit of God coming upon you. In fact, the Holy Spirit may not even use any of those degrees that you have gone for. So somebody might ask, so why did I go to school? You, were, you needed it. Probably needed the education. You probably needed the interaction. You needed to have that level of uh, intellect or whatever. I don't know. But when it comes to the service of God, God is the one that empowers you and asks and tells you what to do. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 through to verse 7. Hebrews 10, verse 5 through to verse 7. The Bible says, Therefore when he, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. But a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. But I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. He said, I know that your delight is not in sacrifices and in burnt offerings, but that I will do your will. So when I came, I came only for that purpose, to do your will. Indeed, in John chapter 4, John chapter 4, verse 34. The Lord Jesus Christ said to his disciples when they brought him food, he said, I have meat. I have eaten. I'm, I'm, I'm full. And he said, who gave you food? He said, ah, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish it. 
my food, my, my satisfaction, my joy is to do the will of the Father. Divine service is about doing the will of the Father. It's about doing what God wants, not what you want. Not what you think God wants, but exactly what God wants as God wants it done. In Matthew chapter 26, 39 through to 44, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Lord's focus in prayer was about the will of God. He knew what he needed to do, but there was also the aspect of the, the, the man in him. And so he kept, and of course, the, the issue was that it has to be done exactly as God wants it done. So he went into the time of prayer so that the will of God in its entirety will be done. In fact, it was recorded at one time that they gave him, they tried to give him um, something that will deaden the pain. He refused it. It's not because he's, he, 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 he loves the pain. No. Because it would not have met the, 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 the uh, requirement of God when it came to the full punishment for sin that would help us to come out of the stranglehold of sin and then be able to serve God. So he went through it completely. Why? The focus was on doing the will of God. Not on doing what you like. Not on doing what you think God likes. But on doing the will of God. So divine service from the get-go, we must understand it, is about the will of God. Another thing we want to look at about divine service is that it is not doing something that others are doing. It's not replicating what others are doing. Those others... In all, fact, in all reality, may actually be doing what God wants them to do. But it doesn't mean that because God wants them to do it, that God wants you to do it also. It is what God has specifically called you to do. That is what he wants you to do. So divine service requires that you must hear from God. It requires that you must know what God is asking you to do. You just don't say, oh, they are doing something here, so I jump in. Today we have churches everywhere. You have a church on the, on the ground floor of a building, on the second floor of the same building, on the third floor of the same building, on the fourth floor of the same building, right through churches, different denominations, teaching different doctrines. A lot of it cannibalized version of the Bible. And we ask, are they doing the will of God? Is God the author of confusion? I mean, let's, let's, be, let's be sincere with ourselves. Can God be the author of confusion? He's God of order. We need to understand this. Let us not allow our flesh to run ahead of us. Let us recognize that God is a God of order. The fact that he told somebody to start a church does not mean that he's telling you to start a church. Pray. Seek his face. You, you, you never know how God is going to minister to you and how he wants you to serve him. In what capacity he wants you to serve him. In Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I read from verse 21. And I'll probably stop at verse 26. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. So entering into heaven is about the doing of the will, not of the will of the father, not the shouting of Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Oh, Jesus is Lord on banners. And did God ask you to do that banner? Did God ask you to hold that program? That is the question. It is not that, oh, Pastor so-and-so is doing this program and souls are being saved, so I will replicate it. Did God ask you to do that? Do what the Lord is asking to enter into heaven. It is about doing the will of the Father who is in heaven. In verse 22, it says, many, I've always said this, when you read the scripture, say many, 
The opposite of many is few. So it means when there are many, it means that only few people are, ex are, 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 are removed from this description. So it says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? That's part of, part of what we call the will, uh, doing, doing the work of God. Cast out demons in your name is part of the work of God. And done many wonders in your name is part of the work of God. So they were doing the things that they thought was okay. They thought that God would be delighted with it. They thought that it was something they could do because they've seen A or B or C doing it. But that's not what God was asking them to do. They were replicating something that God did not ask them to do. I remember once, I wanted to, uh, 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 the Lord asked me to go and um, do a work somewhere. And I said to the Lord, I said, but there are many other churches like that in that place. And the Lord said to me, no, those churches are not reaching the people of the land. I want you to go there and reach the people of the land with the gospel. So there was a reason why I had to go. Because the ones who had gone there were not reaching the people of the land at all. They were doing a work that was for their own kind in, 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 the, in a foreign land. They were not reaching to the people of the land. They were not able to or they refused to. I don't know. So we must understand it. That God, does, God is not looking for a replication. He can do this. He can, he can, he can meet several needs in, in, in different ways. In verse 23 it says, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Why is he saying this? I didn't know them. Because they didn't get their instructions from him. They did it because they, they copied this fellow. They saw somebody on TV doing something. They said, oh, let's replicate this program. For all you care, it probably would draw the crowd. But it did not have the authority of God. Remember that divine service is about ability and authority. Not just authority or not just ability. But both. In verse 24, the Lord now says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, and he's talking of the entire uh, teaching on the mount, these sayings of mine, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine, and does not do them, will be like a foolish man, who built his house on the sand and the rain descended the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was his fall when we don't do what god asks us to do and we start running uh helter skelter we start running up and down the place we end up having to poach as it were from ideas from people rather than sitting down and hearing from god and when life's challenges come we start running all over the place looking for whom or who can help us, can explain to us what really is going on. But when we are built on the solid foundation of the rock, that is, we are doing what God says we should do. The grace of God comes upon us. Remember, recall that I think it's in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12 or so, where Paul was writing about the, the challenges that he had when, uh, because of the multitude of revelations that he had, God wanted to keep him humble. And so he sent to him, a messenger from Satan to buffet him. And he said, he prayed, he prayed three times. And God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. That my grace, my, 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 my grace or my strength or grace is made perfect in your weakness. And he said, therefore, I rather glory in my weakness so that the grace of God can be, be complete and perfect in my life. 
He could have resorted to someone and said, how did you solve this problem? How did you solve that problem? We can do that in a scientific world. But in, when it comes to service, the service of God, we go back to the one that has called us into service. Let me say this as best as I can. You cannot serve God if you are not in constant touch with God. You cannot serve God if you are not going to be consumed by fellowship with him. You must have meetings, as it were, with God, where you report what had happened a priori and where you hear him correcting you and then giving you further instructions or giving you additional information. You must have those reports. You must have those meetings. They are daily meetings. We call them prayer meetings. We call them um, times of, some people call them quiet time. Those are times when you meet with God. I am not talking of public prayer in church. I mean, it doesn't make sense. What are you praying in church? What we pray in church is basically intercession. When you want to pray, when you want to talk to God on your own, you have to have a quiet place where you discuss with the Lord. We've looked at this issue of prayer, and I think some, some time back, when the Lord, when we talked about how the Lord went into a quiet place, very early in the morning, they had to go and be searching for him. They couldn't locate him easily. Because he went to a place where he could be quiet and with, with the Lord. And by the time they came and said, oh, people are looking for you. He said, no, we are not going for those people who are looking for us. We have to go to the next village because that's where, why I came. He had heard from the father the assignment for that day. And he went to carry it out. He was not serving men. He was serving God. So it didn't matter the crowd that was gathered. He was not moved by the crowd. He was moved by the, by, 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 by the father. In John chapter 21, John chapter 21, I'm going to read from verse 15 to verse 22. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than this? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again, a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. Note that word glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had learned, had, had leaned on his breast at the, at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter seeing him said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Now, there are some very crucial things here. The first thing is about the questioning of Peter. Now, Peter, you see, many of us are like Peter. We have this feeling of guilt even after we have been forgiven. So there was a feeling of guilt that, why is he asking me whether I love him? Which maybe we have, I've said I'm sorry. I've said that you should forgive me. So why the questioning? But the questioning was essential. Because what the Lord was trying to say is that if you love me more than these, more than the disciples, the other disciples, more than even the sheep 
and the lamb, if you love me more than them, then you will do my will. You will do what I'm asking you to do for them. But if you love them more than me, then you are likely to take care of them in a manner that I have not prescribed, but that will, that will make them happy. If on the other hand, you don't love them, or maybe they annoy you after some point in time, you can withhold what you should be giving to, what I want you to give to them, from them. So let it be me that you love, and it is me that you are serving, not them. Because you are serving me, feed them. So I want you to understand this, that the issue here is that there is a specific assignment for you. And you have to carry it out on the basis of your love, your absolute love for God. Not for men. We already read Galatians 1.10. Where he said, if I, if, I were to, if I were to please men, I cannot be a servant of God. I cannot be serving God. If my, if, if, if my purpose is to please men. But that, no. The purpose here is to please God. So the Lord was questioning him. Do you really love me? Do you, it's not about the betrayal. The, 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 sorry, the denial. That one had gone. It was a new, a new chapter for, for, for Peter. It was a chapter of divine service. And was saying to him, if you love me, feed these people. Take care of them. Don't, don't worry whether they are angry with you. Don't, don't mind them whether they abuse you or whatever. Just go ahead and, and serve them. Because I'm the one who is asking you to feed them. Take care of them. Then after that, the Lord now tells him uh, something else. But I'll, I'll, I'll leave that for an, an, another time. Then we move on to a point where he now sees, uh, what's his name? He sees John and he asks the Lord, what will this man do? What of him? What is, what is his own work? And the Lord told him, how does that concern you? What is your business with what I want him to do? You do what I said you should do. You follow me. Mind your own business. Leave the other man alone. Be focused on what God wants you to do. That's divine service. There's a specific assignment for you. Do it. Don't worry about any other thing. Be moved by what God wants you to do. Another thing about divine service. Um, I, I'm coming back to uh, John 15. I'm going to discuss that aspect of what the Lord told uh, Peter about girding and not girding and other things. We'll discuss that uh, on, on another, on another point very soon. Divine service is not just about miracles, signs, and wonders. A lot of this we see today. Everybody who believes that he's in ministry thinks that he must do miracles, he must work signs, he must work wonders. But that's not what divine service is about. Divine service is much more than that. And please, for your information, miracle signs and wonders can be replicated by Satan and his agents. Oh, you say, you, you say how? What am I saying? Go to go and look at Moses and the magicians in Egypt. The first three or four uh, uh, miracles that Moses did they were replicated by the Egyptians. It was later that God said, okay, let's put a stop to this nonsense. And then Moses did something and the Quran said, this just certainly is the finger of God. Otherwise, they replicated it. Have you forgotten that God says in the book of Revelation that Satan's prophet, the false prophet who will be with the Antichrist, is going to be given power to call down fire from heaven. He's going to be given power to give a statute voice so that the statute will speak. Have you forgotten that? So, miracle signs and wonders, yes, there's nothing wrong with it. But that is not the issue. The divine, that's not divine service. It, it, can be, it can be applied. It's a resource to be used in serving God. But it is not the service. It is doing what God wants you to do. That, that is what matters. If it requires miracle signs and wonders to achieve it, God will make that available. But for you to go and be seeking for it, no, 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 no. That's not divine service. John the Baptist 
for example. Not once did we hear that he raised the dead. Not once did we hear that he healed somebody with uh, sickness. But his ministry was so significant that the Lord Jesus Christ gave a, a, such a, a powerful commendation that of, of any man born of woman before the advent of the kingdom of God, John the Baptist was, great, was the greatest. Greater than Abraham. Greater than David. Greater than Elijah, than Elisha. Greater than any of those prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, any one of them, of all men. Yet he did not work one miracle. Not one. He just went to preach and to introduce the Lord. That's all he did. When you look at the scriptures, you will discover that there is more to divine service than miracles, signs, and wonders. In Romans chapter 12, for example, Romans chapter 12, verse 6 to 8, the Bible says here, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy. That is, a, that is another resource for serving God. Prophesying. Prophesying has to do with speaking forth the word of God. It's not the one that we do now, where people are telling people the color of their underwear and going to, to call addresses and other things. That's not what God is talking about. He's talking, speaking for the word of God. So teaching can actually be prophecy. It's not, it's not just talking about the future. It's also talking about the past. It's prophecy. Or ministry, which is service. Let us use it in our ministry. If you have been given the gift of service, serve. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who sh shows mercy with cheerfulness. So these are things, these are areas where we can serve God. There are people who, who have the gifting to serve God by showing mercy to people, by being kind to people, by taking care of them, counseling them, help. There are people who don't have that gift, but you have it. And God wants you to serve him in that way. Then serve him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's a whole load of chapter, but we just want to read a few portions there. From verse 7, it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, of, through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the sending of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. We see miracles here. We see healings here. But there are more, there's, there are so many others. The, the Corinthian church was a church that was bragging so much about tongues because they could speak in tongues. They were making so much noise about it. And so it, Paul had to now tell them, look, 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 look. There is more to the work of God than tongues. He says, if, if you say you have tongues, what is the meaning of the tongue? If you must have tongues, then seek to be able to interpret it. Then, the, 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 but today, for example, we're talking of miracles, miracles, miracles. What a word of wisdom. What a word of knowledge. What a faith, the ability to believe God, no matter what. What, what, what of um, uh, uh, discerning of spirits. Today we have a, a, a what, what I call it, a, 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 a cartoon for that, for, for that operating. When people see someone in, 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 in their meetings, oh, you come, 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 come. Your, 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 your mother wants to kill you. It's your father that, that, is, that, is, that is covering your star. Your father who paid your school fees, who sent you to school, is covering your star. He could have, why, why spend all that money? He could have killed you since. Your mother who brought you forth. Don't get me wrong. There may be witches and wizards. 
Don't get me wrong. But if you are a child of God, the question I always ask is, how can you be a child of God and you are afraid of witches and wizards? How can you be a child of God and you allow somebody to come and put a wedge between you and your parents? Did you not read where the Bible says, honor your father and your mother that it will go well with you? You didn't read that. But you want to buy into those things because they suspect that you are now sending money to your parents. And if you, if you continue the way you are going with that trajectory, they, they themselves will, will hunger and they don't want to starve. So they're asking you to redirect, the reroute the money to them by getting you to be at, at enmity with your relatives. And I'm saying this to you. Joseph did not have a, a man of God who was telling him that his brothers were against him. Yet he told them his dreams. The actions of his brothers against him put him where he ought to be. Let us, let us, can we allow God to be God in our lives? So your father is doing you, so your mother is doing you. Fine, let them be doing. They will move you to where God wants you to be. They, they have become the, the, the vessels that God will use to take you wherever you want to go to. In Genesis chapter 50, when Joseph's brothers came and were pleading, Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good as it is today to save many souls alive. Why don't we just allow God to be God in our lives? Why do we want to take things into our hands and be running helter-skelter all over the place? The same First Corinthians chapter 14, from verse 2 to 5, and I read. It says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more than you, but, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the, that the church may receive edification. What is he saying here? Tongues were meant for personal edification, but prophecy was meant for edification of the church. So what he's saying is that of what use is a gift? If it is just for your own personal use, get the interpretation to tongues and now you'll be able to edify the church. In the same way, these miracle signs and wonders that you want and you're applying it to people who are already in the church, people who themselves are miracles, then something is wrong. If you have the giftings of miracle signs and wonders, you are not supposed to be in the four walls of a building. You're supposed to be going about healing the sick, preaching the word of God. With signs and wonders following. That's what you should be doing. Let's, let's have some people who can feed thousands with one or two loaves of bread. Those are the kind of things we're talking about. But we hold ourselves up in buildings and say people should come so that we can, we can do miracles for them. What are we talking about? And all kinds of people come. We don't even preach the word anymore. We don't tell people the, 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 the fact that the gospel is about sin. Dealing with sin in the lives of men. Eradicating sinful living in the lives of men. We don't talk about that anymore. We just talk about miracles, 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 miracles. That is not divine service. Divine service is doing what God wants done. You can serve God and not work one miracle. And God is fantastically happy with you. Just as he was with John the Baptist. Divine service is anything that we do that brings glory and honor to God. And that might include martyrdom. It might include being killed for the sake of the gospel. Now I go back to John 21 
which I wanted to talk to by about. Verse 18, when the Lord said to him, to Peter, most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you gathered yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And 19 says, this he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. This is what we're saying here. Divine service is anything that God wants done. Sometimes it will include martyrdom. It will include martyrdom. This penchant for we, we curse this person, we curse that person, we refuse this, we refuse that. Let's ask, is it divine service? Peter could have refused being crucified. And I mean, nobody will fault him for wanting to do that. But he would not have glorified God. The Bible says that's how he was going to glorify God. Paul was beheaded. That's how he glorified God. John, the elder, uh, the, 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 the story is that he was at first thrown into hot oil and co they covered the lid for three days or so. When they opened it, the fellow bounced out and said, ah, we, we don't know what to do. They, 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 they put him into the, into the island of uh, Patmos and just exiled him there and left him there. It was while he was in the island of Patmos that God came and gave him the, the, the assignment that was meant that he was going to do, which was the book of Revelation. It was on that island. As long as what God wants you to do, you have not done it. Nobody can kill you. Don't worry about all those things. What is important is, do you know that God has a, a job for you? Then do it. That's what we're, that's what the divine service is about entering into a service where God is everything. It's not, it's not a service where you even have an input. No, your input is to make a report. Like the people that the Lord Jesus Christ sent to go out two by two. They, when they came back, they came back with a report. I said, ah, we demons were flying out. We saw this, we saw this, we saw that. The Lord said, oh, come and take a rest. And then he told them, he said, don't be rejoicing over these things. What your joy should be is that your names are written in the book of life in heaven. That is the joy. So for us, brethren, the issue is not the fact that I'm serving God, I'm working, I'm laboring. The issue is, number one, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life in heaven, guaranteeing you access. I think it's in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, that where the Bible tells us about um, the inheritance. It says we are born again into an inheritance that is undefiled, an inheritance that... Uh, cannot be destroyed, an inheritance that does not decay, that God is keeping that inheritance for us, and that we ourselves are being kept by God so that we can enter into that inheritance. So what is required of us? He says, stay holy. Stay holy. Do the will of God. Focus on God. That is all. God has an inheritance for you. He's storing that inheritance for you. Your name is being written. On a table, reserved. Your name is there. And it says, reserved for such and such a person. Nobody can sit on that seat. You yourself, whilst you are here on earth, heaven is protecting you. Because this guy has to come and sit here. So let's, let's watch over him. And they watch over you. And then they now say to you, all we ask you to do is do what we ask you to do here on earth. We will make sure that you get to that place in heaven. And you will sit down there. How is that a problem? But for us, no. We don't know how to do that. So let me just do a quick recap and then we'll continue from here in our next broadcast, which should be, um, I think, October 
the 16th. Divine service is what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, empowers us with ability and authority so that we can serve God acceptably. Divine service requires undivided loyalty to God, undisputable commitment to God and his cause, and absolute love for God, which, may, which is going to be translated in our obedience to him. Divine service is not doing what I like to do or what I think will make God happy, but doing the will of God. It says, sacrifice and offerings you did not want, but I have come to do your will, O Lord. It is good to bring your sacrifice, good to bring your offerings. However, if you are not doing the will of God, the sacrifice and the offering mean nothing to God. You can give all the tithe you want to give. You can give all the offerings you want to give. But if you are not living according to the will of God, it is absolutely, it's an, it's an abomination to God. For example, you go and steal government money or you steal money from your company and then you come and pay a heavy tithe or you give a heavy donation to the church and you think that God is pleased with you. No! You're not serving God. You're serving Satan. If the church do, does not know the source of your income, they would spend it. They may give you accolades and say, oh, this, this is, a, this is a, one of the people who is serving God, but God knows that you're not serving him. And you know that you're not serving God because you know that you stole the money. God is not looking for your sacrifice and your offering. He's looking for somebody whose heart is right before him. That's what he said concerning David. He said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Who will do all my will? Divine service is not doing something that others are doing. It's not replicating what others are doing. The Bible says, but they, comparing themselves by themselves, are not wise. It's not about going to replicate what someone else is doing. It is what God wants you to do specifically. You will need to find out from God, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? In fact, if you are spending time in prayer, it's not about you finding out. God will tell you, this is, what I, this is the assignment I have for you. And you will discover that sometimes you don't get the whole picture. You just get a little bit of it. A precept upon precept, line upon line. As you enter it step by step, you will get there. Sometimes God will give you the end, but not the beginning and not the middle part. Sometimes he will only tell you the beginning and you will have to walk by it step by step. The Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Sometimes you get the lamp just one step at a time. At other times you get the, the light when you need a, a broader vision. But it's always a step-by-step -step thing. You will have to trust God all the way through. Remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said. It is not him that says, Lord, Lord. But it is he that is doing the will of the Father that will get there. We've also said that divine service is not just about miracle signs and wonders. Everybody seems to be running for miracle signs and wonders. There, are, there is more that you can do in the service of God. Going to pray with a brother and a sister, quietly, Ministering to somebody, writing a letter to somebody or to a group of people, making it. Thank God we're now in, in the era of social media, which of course was very soon that will be overtaken. But now we're in that era. What are you posting on social media? How is it a blessing to the people of God? Are you one of those who's busy carrying fake news all over the place, insulting authorities and doing all kinds of things? Is that what you are doing? Is that, is that a Christian lifestyle? It is not about miracles, signs, and wonders only. There is more to divine service than that. And finally, we said divine service is anything that you do that brings glory and honor to God. And God is the one who says, this thing is bringing me glory. It's not you to decide. It's God who says, this that you are doing is going to give me glory. Anything that God says you should do that you do, it brings glory to God. 
Until we meet again, October 16th. I want us to spend the time next two weeks or so praying, seeking the face of God and say, Lord, I want to serve you. Whatever the stage of, or, or I mean in the process, reveal it to me. Help me, Lord, to serve you acceptably. And I guarantee you that the Almighty God will come through for you. And you will discover that even though you may be serving God in a tiny corner, the joy of the Lord will continually be your strength. You will find the peace of God around you. You may not be known by people, but what is important is that you are known by God. Until we meet again, God bless you.